0: I'm Zeke, I'm the youth pastor here at Calvary. It's always an honor to get to share with you on Sunday mornings. It's a, a rarity for me, but it's always a joy every time. So I thank you for giving me that opportunity to do that. Brother, you can pull me out just, just a little bit. I'm getting a little buzzing in my ear. I uh, would love to uh, just have a time with us to prepare our hearts to receive in such a way that what I'm about to share with you is not going to come from a place of opinion. I think that's highly important that whenever you hear something from God's Word, you not hear the perspective of an individual's idea or opinion on the matter, that we rather filter our understanding through the conviction that God's specifically putting on our hearts on an individual level. Okay, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been volunteered to do anything? It's always fun, right? I remember the first time I was volunteered by my mom to do something. I, um it was around this time of year, and our church back home, uh, Borderland, uh, was doing a uh, fall festival, uh, a very common thing that happens around this time of year. Uh, theirs was a fundraiser, and uh, that uh, fundraiser, there was a lot of moving parts, so one of the things they wanted to do this time was do a skit. They wanted to do a play off of this um, old Carmen skit called The Witch's Invitation. Do y'all remember Carmen? Yeah. I mean, maybe you not have ever heard of Carmen. Look, before we had Tadashi and Lecrae, we had T-Bone and Carmen. I mean, he was too cool for school. All right, we, that's, that's who we had. And Carmen was just the coolest thing at the time. Awesome, dude. Uh, we had a, a chance to mimic or to uh, put on one of his famous skits called The Witch's Invitation. And it was kind of giving that eerie feel so it was very fitting for the event that we were doing Uh, but there was an incredible message there about how the enemy has no power uh over christ how uh, behold i've given you authority over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing by any means shall hurt you this was displayed in a in a fun way i think uh, oscar played the warlock once uh me and oscar way back (laughs) i think he played the, the warlock uh once upon a time as well uh anyway when i when we volunt- uh, when my mom heard about this, uh, the question was asked to everybody in the meeting, uh, who would like to play um, the warlock, and my mom said, "My son, <laughs> my son will." And I said, "I will," you know. I don't even. I mean, I had no idea what I was being asked to do, and she gave me that look, you know the look, you know. Where she like I'm I'm already objecting kind of, and she gives him that look that pierces your soul, saying, "You better think about the next future, the next few moments here of your future." You know, this is not the time to rebel. I said, "Yes, I will." And um, being a part of that made us connected with all the volunteers that were gathered together to make this thing work. I had no idea how many moving parts were involved in the, to pull off an event like this and to do it with excellence. There was a lot of intentionality. There was a lot of sweat beads. There were a lot of soaked T-shirts. Every day, almost every day when we come up to the church preparing for this, I had no idea how hard we were going to work before the day even came. So the day comes. And it, it guys, it, it, it goes so well. Um, it's one of, the, one of the things that I was just like, wow, I had no idea how, how much work goes into making something like this happen. We were, we, it, was, it was so much harder than I was anticipating. We were all very tired. But you know what? I can't fully express how joyful we, wa- we were at the same time. We were spent, we were so exhausted, but in the greatest of way, nobody, uh, uh, nobody had this fallen countenance. Everyone was excited about what just happened. The message went well, the food was great, that skit was amazing, the games were awesome, and that skit was just so good. I can remember afterwards being on this spiritual high, if you will, just helping out. Just being a part of this huge effort to lift up the name of Christ to our small community. It was a great experience. My family volunteered every year after that. When I think about this, I remember also feeling not just exhausted in a great way, but like, okay, we got a whole year until this happens again. And that's not where the work stops, that was one event. One th- special occasion throughout an entire year of ministry where incredible people are working so hard for the kingdom of God. Where soaked t-shirts are a regular experience. You know, I, I heard it said this way that uh, sometimes uh, the volunteer staff in, in in how they operate, it's kind of like a football stadium where there's... Uh, you know, thousands of people watching uh, you know, 22 people uh, work really hard and are kind of uh, they're, they're excited when they're doing well but they're also giving a lot of criticism at the same time when by people who probably can't really fully appreciate what's going on in the field. That's kind of how my perspective was. When I would go to an event like this, I'd just show up. I'd get my candy, go home. i get my hot dog and move on. This was the first time I got to be a part of what they were doing and be exhausted with them and have even greater joy than what it looked like from the outside looking in. You know, this is by design, that kind of joy. I think this is on purpose. I'm telling you, there is nothing more beautiful than to watch God work And to use your body as an instrument of his glory. It's incredible. It's something I cannot convince you of. It's something you have to see for yourself. It's something that you have to experience yourself. Because it doesn't make sense that you be this exhausted and yet so full of life. I want to show you something. Would you open your Bibles with with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. As a speaker, I found that there are several topic, topics that are sometimes difficult to unpack or difficult to preach on. One of the most sensitive is probably giving. And I think uh, it's for a very practical reason. We've been in the series about giving. Uh, we've, uh, Pastor Terry last week talked about the giving of our time. Uh, next week, uh, Pastor Mark will talk about the giving of our resources. Today I'm talking about the giving of our energy. It's one of the hardest things to talk about because they usually challenge our stewardship of very personal areas in our life. How we spend our time, how we spend our energy, and how we spend our resources. Pastor Terry already talked about how we uh, uh, talk about the giving of our time to the Lord. And then Pastor Mark has the hard one talking about resources. I don't mind talking about money because I'm usually talking to kids, and well, they don't have any. So be praying for Pastor Mark. This morning, I hope to encourage you on how we spend our energy. You have more than you think because of where it comes from when we are working for the Lord. Listen, we get tired. All of us are going to get tired by the things that have to be done throughout the day. But there's something supernatural in the way of energy given when we're working for the kingdom. I hope that we see that by the end of this. Energy spent in obedience to the Father is energy sustained by His Spirit. It is not coming from your capabilities. It's not coming from your own strength. 1 Peter chapter 4 Verse number 8 says this, above all. Love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have, been, you have received to serve others as a faithful uh, stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks... the the very words of god if anyone serves they should do so uh, back up if anyone speaks they should do so with, uh, as one who speaks with the very words of god if someone serves they should do so with the strength god provides so that in all things god may be praised through jesus christ to him be the glory and the power forever and ever amen you know, this is one of those passages that's pretty straightforward. It's one of those passages that doesn't need a lot of commentary. But I am hoping to unpack this, hopefully giving us a lens to look through in a way that's be encouraging to those that says, yes, Lord, send me. I'll go. In this chapter, the overall tone of Peter's heart was to encourage his readers to Endure? Endure means there there is strain that's involved. what kind of strain are we talking about? Peter knew that difficult times of persecution would soon arrive for the believers. Essentially, they were ambassadors of Christ in a hostile and foreign land at the time of this writing. So this epistle would serve as somewhat of a handbook for Christ followers, encouraging them to stand together as immovable pillars against this impending wave of persecution that was on its way. And to that end, here in chapter 4, he instructs his fellow believers to adopt the mindset of Christ, specifically in their approach to faith, courage, and the giving of themselves in service to one another. Why? So that they would indeed, be able to endure what was coming. Now, when he gets to the part about serving one another, there's a a little statement that he makes in verse number 10 that I think gets easily missed at first glance. He points out a reality there that I don't think we consciously appreciate or even consider much when it comes to the giving of ourselves in the way of energy or our strength or our effort to one another. It's this phrase, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We're going to spend some time unpacking that. But let's break the passage down a little bit so we can get this in full context. The first thing we're told is the driving force behind everything that's being instructed here is love. But what kind of love? We do know it's agape love. It says there in verse number 8, above all, love or agape one another... Love each other deeply. Deeply here is an interesting word choice by the translators. I think it's correct. But it's a phrase. It's a Greek word that actually is a phrase uh, that means at full stretch. To, To strain intensely. So it's not just agape love which is unmerited uh love which is unearned love which is uh, a selfless type of love but he's saying that kind of love to be exercised in such a way that it strains it's this word ectene which means at full stretch or in an all-out manner or, or to strain intensely. It, it was used to describe the taut muscles of an athlete who strains to win the race. Now, when you're running a race, you're not doing it in a casual manner. Now, I used, to, I used to run every Tuesday night. I used to run with a buddy of mine that was a runner and I could never keep up with him, but he was very gracious to let me run with him. And uh, he would slow down to my pace. And at the very end, we get to this segment where it's, it's a, there's a marker to where we know it's a quarter mile. To get to the very end of our run space, and so when we get to that marker, like, are you ready? As soon as we get there, full speed, everything you got left, full speed. I'm like, all right, and you see that little pole coming? It's one of those little po- uh, orange poles, uh, white uh, uh, white poles with an orange cap. I'm like, oh, there it is. <sighs> okay, here we go. And uh, Russ, is like, you ready? I'm like, no, but we got. We, uh, I'm gonna go. You know, and so, as soon as we get to that line, we 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 dart. And, uh, and he, would, he would tell me as we we're running, I would feel my energy dropping dramatically. And he would say, he wouldn't say, come on, keep it up, let's go. He would say, pick your head up. He'd always say, pick your head up, look up, look up, look up. And I never really got it until I realized when I'm looking down, my eyes are right here, my feet are going where my eyes are looking. Like, hey, my body's thinking, hey, we're here, we made it. He's saying, keep your eyes where you're going. Your body will follow. Keep your eyes on what God's called you to do. Your body will do the rest. He will empower you. I'm telling you, there's something about looking at where you're going that produced an added level of energy. Hey, we're not done yet. And we kept moving forward in an intentional pace. When you run a race, you're usually usually sweating. By the end of that race, you're usually tired, you're exhausted, fully spent. Here's what's so interesting about the Lord in, in our obedience to the Lord, rather. God, in his graciousness, has wired your soul to experience unparalleled delight when you give of yourself for others in this manner. It doesn't feel like I'm just running a race. For my own benefit, I don't have the same kind of exhaustion. If you don't believe me, go on a mission trip. Get spent for the Lord in such a way that you don't think you could go one more day. Your body's saying, No, nah, I'm done. You're like, No, we're not. We have one more joyful day. As a Christian, our lives should be marked by strenuous efforts toward giving of ourselves in service to one another. You know, this message is not prompted by a specific need this church has. I'm talking about serving one another. Sure, you can serve one another in a established weekly ministry that's, that's, that's here. I'm not just talking about that. Giving of ourselves to this noticeable degree of healthy Tension and strain in our effort—is that how you serve one another? Is that how you give of yourself to the person sitting next to you? Here's a better question: Is that how you serve the person sitting in front of you, sitting behind you? I don't know who they are. I get it. In here, this is our one-on-one time with the Lord. It's okay if you look at the back of the head, the back of someone's head, the entire time. This is our one-on-one time with God. But when we leave here do you know them do you know her you understand what i'm saying do we actively give ourselves but that's hard yeah i know it's hard it's hard to love people sometimes it's hard to serve others without uh, any uh, expressions of appreciation it's hard to serve broken people who don't know uh, how how or when To demonstrate their appreciation. It's hard to give ourselves to the point of exhaustion. Maybe to people who don't deserve it. And so Christ gave us the example. And gave us all of himself. While we were yet sinners. Giving us the example when he said, Father forgive them for they know not what they do. While they were crucifying him. Motivated, motivated by sacrificial unmerited love that moves us to give of ourselves to the degree of st- strain and for the sole benefit of another person. And especially when doing so for those who don't deserve it. That is reflecting the character and nature of Christ. So Peter says, that giving of yourself and serving others with this Christ-like love approach does indeed cover a multitude of sins. Why? It's not contingent on their behavior. My expression to to strain the call on my life, the call on your life to, to give of yourself to this degree is not contingent on someone's performance. It's demonstrated in spite of them. Because of this love relationship here. This is important. Because it makes the spending of our energy. Even to the point of exhaustion. An act of obedience to Christ. And not contingent on the quality of the person. Look. We're all broken. We're not always going to deserve. Or, or behave in such a way that it prompts. This kind of service to one another. And that's why it's not possible apart from Christ. If you know not God, you know not love, for God is love. This driving force behind what I'm, descri- what I'm describing is not possible unless you already have saving faith in His Son. And I'm telling you, there is no greater joy. And so, it gives us some examples, some practical ways of doing this. He says, "Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling." Why does it have to say without grumbling? Because it's hard. It's hard to prepare your home to receive guests. You know, that's why we don't like people to show up randomly. We don't like people to show up at the door. You know, and they do, they knock on the door. It's someone that we know and we love. Hey. Hey, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, sending a text to your wife. Yeah, yeah, sure. Come on in here in a few minutes. So, uh, yeah. I, Why? We, we do feel. We want someone to feel comfortable, feel, feel, feel at home, requires a little bit of work, a little bit of strain, a little bit of effort. And when they walk in, they're not going to be like, wow, this looks so much cleaner than it was a little while ago. They're not going to say that. They're just going to see, receive, and feel the hospitality. They're not going to know the work that was behind that. It's hard work. To so do it without grumbling, he's saying, that's where this love is being demonstrated. Here is your marker. If you're serving one another with hospitality in a way that is joyful, you're not operating anymore under your own strength. You're simply being joyfully obedient to what God's called you in that moment. So I think it's important that he says, to help give us the lens by which we are serving one another. bottom line is here that we may not be fully aware of the impact your joyful acts of kindness will have on the person that God puts before you. Even in here, if you see a face that you don't recognize and you go over there and talk to them and say, hey, I'm so glad you're here. Now don't be super like, hey. In there, I mean, don't, don't make them feel uncomfortable with your hospitality. But if you go to someone and they feel and they know that they are known and noticed, it takes energy on your part to do that. It's exhausting to talk to people sometimes. And I get it. Doing so with a joyful heart is what I mean here, is what Peter is getting at. This would have been especially encouraging to the writers as they would be, encounter- they'd be going to different cities and different lands, encountering a, a, a believers in hostile territory. Verse number 10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. You know, it doesn't feel as exhausting to serve others in areas that God has gifted you in. Maybe he gave you that gift for a particular reason. You may still get tired, but it's that good kind of tired. Like, Man, that worked out really well. I think in that passage, is not a lot of commentary needed. I like sharing this with students because they almost always say, but I don't have any gifts. That's just not true. I get it. I was there. When God called me to ministry, I only had two talents. I could make funny noises with my mouth, and I could talk like Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's it. That was the extent of my talents, gifts, and abilities. I said, God, send me. I'll go. I don't know how. God has given each of us talents, gifts, and abilities as he wills. I want you to see something. I mean, we're going to unpack this too much. But just understand, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the purpose in God giving you different gifts. Giving the body a diversity of gifts. Romans 12 talks about the humility in the use of your gift. You can't exercise a gift in humility if you don't have one. These are talking about... Uh, the one that you have been given as, uh, as a confirmation and direction for what you've received. You know, Ephesians 4 talks about the call for re- the refinement and maturity of your gift. You can't mature or refine something you don't have. God's saying, no, I've given you something that is to be matured and refined. Study these passages and you'll find three undeniable facts about, about gifts. You have one. The Holy Spirit gave it to you. The purpose of your gift is not for you. I want to close with this. This is something so, I think, just encouraging. When it comes to your gift, here's the paradox with God-given talents, skills, and abilities. They are gifts, but you don't get to play with them. Here's what I mean by that. It's like when when a kid is given 50 bucks by their father to go buy mom some flowers for her birthday. The kid can look at the money like, man. 50 bucks. I have this in my possession. But it's not a gift yet. What does he have to do with that 50 bucks in order for it to become a gift? Spend it with purpose. It's not a gift yet, it's a tool. That tool becomes a gift when it is spent for the purpose by which it's given. And even then, it's a gift to bring joy to someone else, not for you. But you're okay with that, right? I mean, it's exciting to bring a blessing to mom, bring a blessing. uh, uh, When you were a child, you, you were excited to see the smile come across her face and giving her those flowers with money that you didn't earn, that you did nothing to obtain, it was exciting to say, here, Mom, and, her, and hear the words, oh, thank you, Mijo. I'm so th- you're so sweet. You don't say, well, Dad gave me the buddy to buy it. You don't do that. You just, hmm. <laughs> okay, I wasn't. <laughs> uh, you know, here's the difference we don't take vows for what God gives us, we don't take praise. What we do is say, hey, all glory to the Lord. Praise the Father for what he has given you. There is not a more beautiful thing than to watch God work and to use your body as an instrument of his glory. Is that a reality for your life? I'm telling you, we are missing out if it's not. Well, I don't know what to do. I want to do something. Okay, fine. Talk to these two. They'll, you. They'll point you in the direction. They'll wind you up. All right, Go. Guys, there is not a more beautiful place to be than in the will of God.